Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Chris might have been a little ambitious with the 10 hugs. We would be here a long time. He only did three. So go ahead and make your way to your seats. But actually stay standing, don't sit down. So just stand where you think your seat is. There we go. See some lingering people. Bill's eating something. (laughs) Lollygagging. Welcome to church. It is a good Sunday to be in church. My family, this is not, I didn't expect to do this, but my dad likes to do this thing called Selfie Sunday. (laughs) My sister's looking at me like, what? Um, And my dad doesn't know Jesus But the selfie that he gets this Sunday from us is the whole church together. So my arms aren't very, oh, that's the camera's the wrong way. My arms aren't long either, so I'm going to put the microphone down and try this. I, it, it doesn't matter. He's getting it anyways. Is it blurry? I don't know. His selfie to us is probably going to be in Joshua Tree National Park, but mine is going to top that. So you can go ahead and take your seats. Sit down. Unless you want to stand the whole time with me. Before I get started this morning, I have a really cool story of how I saw God work this week, a miracle My youngest son and I were playing outside, and he's 13 months old, and he's wild already, like, already losing track of him (laughs) when we're outside. And so I was putting together a toy for him, and I look over, and he has a landscaping brick on top of his foot. And so I ran over, and he's, like, kind of crying, didn't know what was going on, and I was like, oh, crap, because I did not give birth to him. He's still technically in the foster care system. And I was like, how am I going to describe a smashed foot to DCFS? And so I go over and I take his sock off. I'm not kidding. I expect, fully expected like toes dangling, mangled foot. He had like this 10-pound landscaping brick on top of his foot. I took it off. He had a scratch on top of his foot. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Praise Jesus. This is a miracle. <laughs> He's looking at his aunt. So I just think it's important that when we realize those things, and I think it actually does go with today's message, because when your perspective shifts, when you have a heavenly perspective, I shouldn't have been surprised that the Lord protected my son and that he didn't have a smashed foot. And so that is part of what we get to do. We get to bring heaven to earth, and we get to have that heavenly perspective of, you know what? Yeah, my God does miracles. And he loves me, and he protects my son. And so 
I'm, I'm just so excited for the word the Lord gave me today, and I'm going to burst into a million pieces if I don't get it out soon. So pray with me. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, um, God, that we have just the freedom to be in your house this morning, God. Um, and that should just wreck our hearts because we have brothers and sisters around the world who don't have this honor and this privilege that we do. The freedom, um, God, to show up to church. Um, we thank you that we don't have to meet underground even though we would if we had to, um, Jesus. And so we just thank you for your kindness and your faithfulness to us. And Lord, may we not take um, these things that we don't even recognize as freedoms for granted. Um, Jesus, we thank you that your presence is here, that it never leaves us, it never forsakes us, Lord. And I just pray that our hearts would be softened to you, um, to the words that are coming from your throne room. God, just take anything in my flesh and just take it away, please. Rip it off. Lord, uh, may it just, may I only speak what you want me to, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So like I said, I got to get this out because I'm like bursting at the seams. And um, it's so funny. I didn't need confirmation for the word that the Lord gave me today because for the first time ever, I think I've been preaching about three years now, and I preach three to four times a year. Um, and so it's not new to me, but every time I get ready to preach, my flesh usually rejects the word that the Lord gives me until my spirit's like, nah, girl, you got to do it. And for the first time ever, my spirit obeyed before my flesh could tell me not to do it. And so I, I knew the word that I had to give today. But then I was watching the IF conference this weekend, which is a women's conference that's in Texas, and we've done a local one here. And I texted Heather, and I was like, well, my girl Sadie Robertson gave my message to a room full of, like, thousands and thousands of people. So I felt kind of cool that God would speak the same thing to me that he did to Sadie Robertson because I love her, and I was like, secretly we're friends. She doesn't know it yet, but we're friends. I asked Sarah's mama, Sarah's parents were chauffeuring people. I was like, please, just tell, give Sadie Robertson my phone number, please. I want her to have it. Not that she would text me. But anyway, so I, I think that shows the places, and I say this humbly, where the Lord has brought me. To, in order for my spirit to respond first instead of my flesh, that, that's huge. Because usually my, I, the uncomfortable things and the things that we don't want to say, I mean, I still was like, do I have to do that, God? Like, really? But I didn't question him. I didn't say, nope, I'm not doing that. I didn't tell him no. Because I'm learning obedience and to lean into Jesus. And that, that produces good fruit. And disobedience, that produces fruit as well but that's like the smashed apples that fall on the ground. And I don't want that in my life, please. Or some other like nasty fruits. What are those called? Kumquats? Have you ever had those before? No. Dalt? <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> Anyways. It's this disobedience and questioning God without a desire to grow. I don't want that. I don't want, I want to have an obedient heart who 
while I'm literally, my message came to me. I have spent lots of time on my face before the Lord. And then he decided to download it all while I'm cleaning up dog poop for four hours this week. And I offered to pay my son to do it. And he said, no. So Jesus knew. But we have to have obedient hearts that have a desire to grow. And that leads us to what God has for us today. So if you're a note taker or if you're not, there are four words that could easily sum up my message today. And it's dissection, deconstruction, disciple, and Pharisee. And those will come up on the screen if you need to take a picture of them. Because this VR series, it's about our perspective our perception and our, of reality, um, our viewpoint of the world around us, and the lens which we intake information and situations. But I think we, forgot, we often forget that we weren't created for this world. We forget that we're seated in heavenly places, and by the blood of Jesus, we get the privilege to put on a different lens. And we get to view this fallen and broken world through a heavenly lens. And we have an honor and a privilege to also pray and ask God to see into the heavenly realm and ask for our viewpoint to be changed completely. But if you spend any time on social media, which I need to probably spend less time on, my screen time alert came up today and I was like, ooh, don't tell anybody. It was like four and a half hours. Not just on social media, on my phone in general. (laughs) But, or if you don't live under the rock, a rock. The last few years, there have been phrases or like these buzzwords going around that are my truth, your truth, their truth. And we live in a world, whether it's virtual or not, and we get, we get to decide what our truth is, what your truth is. People are saying, oh, you, could, you can, what's your truth? Or that's her truth, it doesn't matter. No. That's an opinion that you turn into truth when this is the truth. Your opinion is not truth, your opinion is your opinion. Just saying. And so we could wake up one day and our morals and standards could shift entirely because that's what we want truth to be today. And church, this is a major Major, major, major issue because not only in the days that we're living in right now, but for the generations to follow. Because if we don't like nip this in the butt now, imagine what it's going to be like 20 years from now if Jesus isn't back yet. It's going to be way, way, way worse. And if your truth is always changing to keep up with the climate of the world, A, that's exhausting and makes me want to take a nap because your brain would be in overdrive. And two, you will never have stability. So no wonder we live in a world full of anxious people. Because everything is constantly shifting and changing and we are expected to keep up and for our, de- our ideals and morals to change and shift as the world is. And so we're expected to do the same thing. And that's exhausting. And if you wanted to know what my truth would be, we would be eating dessert all the time because I love my sweets. Everyone would either be running around naked or there's a magical laundry fairy because I do laundry, but it doesn't get folded and put away. 
asked my husband. He had to find his work stuff in a nice pile of clean laundry that sits on our laundry room floor. So you, yeah, sorry, babe. One day I'll get there. Uh, we would have free water. Not like drinking water. Like, I wouldn't have to pay a water bill so I could take as long of a shower as I want and my husband not get mad at me. Because when our water bill goes over a certain amount, he told my dad he can have me back and I can go shower at his house. He said, Jimmy, if it gets over $60 a month, she's all yours. And my stepmom's like, uh, he does the same thing. And sure, like, those things might sound fun for a while. I'd never want to have to shower at my dad's house again. I like my space. At least my family has clean clothes to wear. And we're not running around naked. But if we were eating all the dessert that we could, I occasionally have birthday week pie for breakfast. And it's all good and fun for a while because there's really no structure and we do whatever we want. But can you see how unhealthy that would be? If I was intaking things that were unhealthy for my body all the time, I would be malnourished, sick, and depleted. I would have no good source of nutrients because as much as I love sugar, it doesn't do anything, for, anything good for me. And that's what happens when we take what our truth is and we try and make it fit with God's truth. And John 14, 6 says, give me a second. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the one. I am the one and only. It is not. Jesus is, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Katie no, he is the one and only. And I think a trend that has been pretty popular in our world lately, and it's getting confused with something else, and those two first words that I had were dissection and deconstruction. Because it's becoming popular to deconstruct our faith, to tear it all down, to start all over, to take everything that we've ever known about Jesus and start at ground zero and build a new foundation. And I'm no architect, but I think, or engineer, I don't know how anything works. I'm not handy whatsoever. I can't even put a screw on my wall. But I can't imagine what it would be like to take some of what I want to be true. So like eating all the dessert, that would probably be like a moldy drywall, something like that, and then God's truth, and then I build this very, very, very unstable building, and it would take a long time to repair what I think my truth should be, and I'm, hear me now, I am not saying that we hold on to bad theology or things that we have been taught that have been detrimental to our faith. Again, this, this is the truth. God's word is the truth. And so things that you have been taught by man that you probably need to let go of, you don't rebuild and start all over. You start with God's truth. 
You replace that with God's truth. It's like mending something that's broken. You take that broken brick out and you put in a firm one, the firm foundation. And church, this isn't just a popular buzzword or a hot trap hot topic or trend that we can sweep under the rug, we have to stop it because it's a dangerous, dangerous trap. And culture and the world that we are living in think it's necessary for us to define or redefine what we believe to be true to fit what the world says is true. And I think the enemy uses this idea of deconstruction saying like, okay, yep, it's good. Rebuild it all up. And it's his playground to get people to walk away from Jesus. Because if you start questioning everything that you've ever known without the intention to learn, we, you would walk away from Jesus completely. Or we're going to live by a watered-down, malnourished truth. Matthew 7, 24 and 27, and this is the parable where Jesus is talking about the two builders. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words. Words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you... But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. And he teaches that it's again in Luke 6, 49 through 48. If you work the words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. And when the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. Jesus wants your faith to be built to last. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen rivers came crashing, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. If I'm being honest, this is not the scripture I wanted to use today because I felt like it was awkward and cheesy. But Jesus isn't cheesy or awkward. That was just my perception of it. So I had to repent of believing something that Jesus taught 2,000 years ago that he knew we would need today to be cheesy and awkward. Because he knew we would need this word. He knew we would need reminded of a firm foundation why we need to, de- to believe that the word of God is alive and living and active and written for our benefit so that we can continue to build a firm foundation and a life in him. Because our truth has the ability to change whenever we want it to. God gave us free will. He gave you the de- decision to decide what you believe to be true. But his truth, it never changes. And if this is what we are clinging to, it never, ever changes. Hebrews 13, 8. It's the, he, he is the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and always. That means this is the same yesterday, today, and always. He is steady and firm. 
a solid, safe place to land when the world around us is telling us we have the freedom to do whatever we want, to believe whatever we want, to be whatever we want. And I'm not saying, I said this earlier, by choosing to not deconstruct our faith doesn't mean that we are not going to ask questions because that is beneficial to your faith to ask questions. And I'm not trying to tell you, you have to live your life as this perfect person who sits quietly and never asks questions and lives in a bubble completely ignoring the world around them because the world needs you. The king, we, to, in order to bring heaven to earth, we need the body of Christ. Because that would be just as detrimental to your health to never ask a question and to sit quietly in church than it would if you were living by my truth and eating all the dessert. And before I even knew what I was going to preach on today, actually this is kind of, I was laying in bed one night and getting ready for bed. And I felt the Lord tell me, you can dissect my word to understand, but you can't de deconstruct it to build something that only fits into part of your life. It is beneficial to your spiritual health to ask questions. Seek the Holy Spirit first because he is the one that we should go to first with our questions. And then if you are still needing some help, go seek wise counsel. Do not let self-righteousness and pride get in the way of you seeking wise counsel and seeking the Holy Spirit. We have to let go of those things. In order to get to really know Jesus, our pride has to be laid aside. In order to get his, to know his truth, we can't be so wrapped up in ourself and what we think others are going to think of us if we have this question that we don't take the time to ask questions and grow. Because unasked questions turn into doubt, and doubt turns into unbelief, and that is exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to stop you from growing in your relationship with the Lord. He wants you to feel like a fool because you have this question. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the main thing that he is after is your faith in Jesus. And your belief that this is the truth. This is your foundation. And in the Gospels, during Jesus' years of ministry, there are two groups of people that we see that are continually asking him questions. And their motives behind them are completely different. And it's the disciples and the Pharisees. See, the disciples ask questions with the desire to gain knowledge and understand. They ask questions because they wanted to intimately know Jesus. They wanted this firm foundation. They didn't want to be a part of this world anymore. But the Pharisees, they ask questions without the desire to learn and only with the intention of challenging Jesus' authority. They ask questions to try and catch him in a trap and be like, see, I knew it. I knew he was wrong. And in Luke 11, Jesus has done so many things. One of the, he, like, he drove out a demon. He was speaking to crowds. And then the Pharisees were like, oh, let's invite him over for dinner. And so Jesus went in. He puts his feet up. They were like, why didn't you wash your feet? And he, or wash your hands either, and he ignores them. And he goes in to um, all of these woes on the Pharisees and all of the things that they think are truth 
but aren't. And he finishes his conversation to them. And he went outside, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something that he might say. And they did this over and over and over again. They were trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to ask questions to challenge his authority. But the disciples, they asked questions time and time and again because they wanted to intimately know Jesus. And I've had to let go of looking like a fool in my own life. I grew up in a very controversial household. I went to Catholic school, so I was raised Catholic. Irish Catholic, so I have a very strong Catholic family background. But Jesus wasn't taught in my home. That's something I learned at school. So I had this Catholic faith at school, and then I lived in a very liberal household. And so if you could think the first time I showed up to a non-denominational church, I was like, what in the world is this? I went to church with my husband, and he was playing the drums, and I was like, where did he bring me? <laughs> and then I came to this church, and I was like, Peyton, you're crazy. <laughs> it's the best thing that's ever happened. Next to my children and husband, of course. But I had to take, there's a lot of stuff that I grew up learning that were tradition that I had to let go of in order to fully know Jesus. And there are things that I had to let go of that I have learned in my family that were truth from the world that I had to let go of and to intimately know Jesus and to know his word and to know that this is truth and that, man, I still love my family. I love them so, so much. And in Jesus' name, they will be in church one day. But there are things that I had to let go of. And I, it was so uncomfortable. And I think in the last, in the years that the Lord has been building my faith, I think we've been in this church for seven years almost, or over seven years. And the Lord has brought me from, just turned me around completely. But it doesn't come without asking questions. And I continue to ask questions. And two of my best friends, we have... I shouldn't even tell people what the name of the group chat used to be. It was Hemorrhoids and Holy Spirit. <laughs> but <laughs> that's because we continue to ask questions about the Holy Spirit, not hemorrhoids, in order to encourage each other to grow in our faith and to sharpen each other. I was not expecting to share that. Sorry, guys. But seriously, we can't get tired of hearing this. We can't just be like, okay, I've heard this enough. I'm going to turn a deaf ear to this. We can't be blind to the reality of the world that we live in. Because it, if anything, in the past few weeks, years, we've learned how broken it is. And how it will try and persuade us to change what we believe to be true. And we need to pursue the truth and the reality of Jesus and not the truth and the reality of what the world thinks we need to be doing. Because it's a lot easier to sit and sulk in self-pride and, or in pride and self-righteousness than to let our truth be defined 
by whatever we're feeling that day. Because you know what? Whatever you're feeling that day, you still get to pick Jesus. You get to pick Jesus over everything else that the world is telling you that you should be choosing. And we don't have to tear everything down to figure out Jesus. We don't have to take it all down to grow in a relationship with him. We don't have to have the heart of a Pharisee and challenge his authority and only ask questions with the intention of catching other Christians in a trap, catching Jesus, catching the truth in a trap. Because, spoiler alert, he already holds the victory. And you will only look foolish in doing so. We have to pray for a soft heart, a heart that is ready and willing to understand. Ezekiel 36, 26 I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. We get to ask for that, and he gives us the things that we ask for. He wants you to let go of that pride. He wants, to, he wants you to know him more intimately. He wants you to have a heart that with every part of you, this truth is a solid foundation. It is God-breathed. It is written for your benefit. It is living and active. It never dies. And there's not a person in this room who expects you to read this and to know it all and to not have any questions. Because we all still have questions. We are all still learning and growing and we're dissecting God's word. And you go back to the Hebrew translation and you learn more and you grow and you absorb it and you live it out in your life. Because if we're not doing that, if we're not continually growing in our relationship with the Lord... If we think that we have arrived at a place and we know Jesus enough, it is like a living by a watered-down, malnourished gospel. We have the honor and the privilege to bring heaven to earth, to bring people to know Jesus. But this has to be your firm foundation. Nothing else that the world tells you is good for you or a firm foundation, you're going to, it's like the guy who built, built his house on the sand. It's not going to last. This, is, this will last through eternity. Believing in this, you get the eternity. You get heaven. You get to bring heaven to earth, and then we get to be in heaven with Jesus. I read this post by Jen Johnson a few weeks ago. And I just, I cannot get over it. It says, your truth isn't an accurate concept. The truth is the Trinity, the word of God and his kingdom here on earth and in heaven. And in life, truth is the way something happened. It's fact-based. And sometimes only God knows the facts or the truth. The rest is personal opinion and experience. Don't confuse truth with opinion and experience. Church, are you okay with not always getting the answer to the questions you ask, but still living a life in full surrender to Jesus? Knowing the truth, living by it, and not agreeing with people you love, but to know and that don't, that don't know Jesus. This world doesn't know Jesus the way it should. And we do a disservice to those we love who are far from Jesus. If we forego our truth and our foundation in him, 
to make compromises and exceptions for them, to make them feel more comfortable. Please hear me now, because that doesn't mean you don't love them. That doesn't mean we don't interact with people who don't know Jesus, because they need us. They need you. But how are you choosing to live your life in front of them? Are you making compromises and exceptions to the truth to make other people feel comfortable? And this is something I've worked really, really hard on for the past three or four years. And I've had so many questions and I've wrestled with God to get where I am today. And I don't think I've ever shared this story publicly um, but I'm the oldest of five kids, and I have three sisters and a brother that's in heaven. And I have one sister that's here today, and she's met Jesus. And I know my brother's met Jesus, but I have other families, family members who don't know Jesus. And it's taken me a long, long time to live my life in front of them like I love Jesus to choose not to engage in conversations that I know will leave me hurt and sad because I love Jesus or to not agree with things that they're saying and take, partake in those conversations. And it's really, really hard. But the Lord has shown me, I'm gonna bring them to know Jesus and you continue to live your life in my truth. You continue to live your life like you love me and all that you say and all that you do. I have a sister that is so, so far from Jesus. And a few years ago, she told us that she was a lesbian and I had no idea. Some of my other, my other sister was like, yeah, I totally knew that. I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. And so I've had to ask God, how do I love her where she's at without compromising my truth? How do I teach my son to love her where he, she's at but still teach him God's truth? It is really, really, really hard. And there will be, whether you have a personal experience with someone or not, there's gonna be so many things that we come across because we live in a fallen and broken world and we don't know what to do. But we get to look at this. We get to go to this for our truth. Thank you, Jesus, that this is his truth. Thank you that he has given this to us. Thank you that it is a firm foundation and a, a landing place for us to have questions. It's a safe place. And I hope that there is wise counsel in your life that is also a safe place that you can go and you can ask these questions to and you have people who are gonna point you back to Jesus because we don't expect you to do it alone. And if you do it alone, that's a trap from the enemy. He wants you to think you're alone in your questions and in your concerns, but you're not. You, first of all, you have Jesus and you have a room full of people right here, whether we know you or not, that love you so much. I'm gonna have you guys close your eyes in a second because if I could go around the room and I wanna look each of you dead in the eye, but I have like clammy hands and you wouldn't want me touching your face and it would take forever. 
Jesus always has a better plan. And so go ahead and close your eyes. And I want you to picture that Jesus is looking you dead in the eyes and saying these things to you. Saying these things as Jesus. I am still good. And I am still God, even in your questioning. I am full of grace. I am full of mercy. I deeply, deeply, deeply love you. I want you to know me intimately. I want to be your firm foundation. I want to be your safe place. I want heaven to be your reality. I want to use you to bring heaven to earth. I want to use you to make the name of the my son Jesus known so that every tongue and tribe will bow at the name of Jesus. I want to be your truth. I want all of you. So come to me. Stop running. You can't hide. I leave the 99 to chase after you. So come to me. Stop running. You can't hide. Seek me. Know me. Fall in love with me. Let me be your reality. I am the way, the truth, and the light. And I want to be your one and only truth. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are truth, that you came and you died for us, God, that while we live in this fallen and broken world, we have the honor of looking to you, Jesus, to be our firm place to land, our firm foundation that your word never, ever changes. Jesus, thank you that you chose us. God, that you chose the one who is so far away from you, you still choose them, and you chose your son to die for them. And so, Jesus, I just pray that we would be a people who stand on your firm truth and that we love people no matter how far away they are from you. Jesus, that the questions would be met with answers. And if we don't get the answers here on earth, that we still believe you are God. We still believe that you are who you say you are. God, we thank you that you are sovereign, that you reign over all from yesterday, today, and for all eternity, that you never change. Jesus, just continue to soften our hearts. Continue to teach us to lean into you. To not run away. To not stop seeking you. Thank you for who you are, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen.